0: hours today as it's kind of a weird point in the sports calendar brent yesterday was weird today it's gonna to be even weirder because there's no baseball again today after the blue jays depart the postseason in two games all four wild card round series end up in series sweeps we mm-hmm. had at least the thursday nighter yesterday we have some preseason hockey and we're definitely going to talk about the leafs and some roster decisions upcoming before the season opener on wednesday but it's, you know, the, the the Major League Baseball All-Star break is the slowest point in the sports calendar. Mm-hmm. There's, like,
1: physically nothing happening in sports. I know. They call me in here every time.
0: <laughs> Not next year. No. No, you're going to be locked up. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, that's when I plan my vacation. I know. Because <laughs> I'm smart like that. <laughs> but, yeah, this is kind of, like, underratedly, yeah, n- nothing going on for, like, two days. Now, it, it, it didn't have to be that way. If somebody w- was... uh interested in, in forcing a third game of the wild card round. We could have had playoff baseball yesterday, but we got like back to back days where there's really not a lot going on in the sporting calendar.
1: A tough ask for anybody to win, you know, one game in a in a series for any of those teams that lost. Just uh, impossible to to have asked that. But not a weird time. It's Frazier oh, Minton frenzy time. Minton mania. You yeah. don't go with the alliteration? It's Friday. So Frasier old, Friday. Like, old, like Minton Mania, I wanted to get his first name in there. I see. Like, I, we've had all this talk about um, uh, individual goal songs and everything. It'd be a terrible one. But, like, whatever that beginning of Frasier, like, the doom, 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 that'd uh, be pretty not great. Um, salad and scrambled yeah. eggs. That's actually that a would, great maybe idea. That would, oh, God. Could you imagine he gets his first NHL tag? Salad and scrambled <laughs> eggs. God, that'd be uh, that'd be weird. Okay, now I'm back to believing you're right. As we were singing the Frasier theme song, yeah. this is a weird time in the sports. <laughs> calendar I need something to happen I really need that Leafs Red Wings game tonight or a, a baseball game or that's tomorrow the, yeah I know I know but I need it tonight no or can't if, have it I don't know I feel college football I they should be available at my beck and call whenever right. I want them mm-hmm. Dion Sanders play tonight yeah I demand it you're right I need something going on there is a lot to talk
0: about though yes um including well we'll talk some blue Jays as the post-mortem continues around that major league baseball team and the most curious off season in recent memory. But the Leafs has mentioned, you know, the preseason, I, I'm, I'm always dubious when we talk about camp battles, right? Like preseason games, deciding roster spots, but mm-hmm. I, I gotta say, it looks like Fraser Minton with the way he's played this preseason has put himself on the Mac. And now that being said, I'm also, I'm also aware of the potential, conversation surrounding William Nylander's little sojourn at center, mm-hmm. maybe impacting the decision-making here and, and and them seeing in small sample what they've also seen in previous small samples and saying, yeah, okay. He it, can play it like physically. Do we like it? Maybe not. You know what we like when, when he's unencumbered by his defensive responsibilities playing on the wing and scoring a couple of goals, including the overtime winner.
1: What I what I have to laugh at, and this obviously isn't the way it played out, but you can talk yourself on a version that the Blue Jays went in and were like, hey, Jose Barrios is so good, but we cannot waver from our plan at all. And the Leafs saw Frazier-Minton play center for four minutes and yeah. said, our plan, the thing we said is for sure going to get a ton of runs. Get it out of here. Yeah. Who wants that plan? That plan, quite frankly, it sucks. Let's move on from it. It is amazing to me how... Jose Barrios, an established starter, who you have given over $100 million could not waver you from your plan, but apparently Fraser Minton is yeah. causing the Leafs to at least consider wavering from theirs. I think this is, you know, we, we've we talked so much about plans and planning the last couple of days. When Treliving and Keefe and Shanahan and Manny Malhotra and whoever else is part of the brain trust, when they all sat down, they had a lot of scenarios for how camp could have played out. With how cap trapped this team is, there's there were really only a few, but I think one of them, it was very low on the depth chart of possibilities for them was this. Was Frazier Minton or one of these Marley type guys kind of forcing their hand, being more of a uh, more of a legitimate question, more of a legitimate option than they thought? And it's quite frankly great to see for a team that we have a lot of intrigue about once the games start to matter. Ooh, how did Tyler Bertuzzi fit? Max Omi, We cannot do that in the preseason. There is just nothing to take away from that. So it's been very nice to have this added kind of question, camp wrinkle, whatever you want to call it.
0: Yeah, uh, it's always exciting to see young kids who are excited to, one, play preseason games and adding a little juice to these, these eight preseason <laughs> games, just one remaining Only on one Saturday left. against the Detroit Red Wings. It's also interesting when we, you know, we can shift the conversation from a guy, and no offense to Sam Lafferty, who's mm-hmm. a burner. He can he skate real fast. I do, I do like him. Yeah, uh, he's really, really fast. Um he was notably not in the lineup yesterday mm-hmm. in, a, in a pretty representative Toronto Maple Leafs lineup. Maybe the one that they roll out. I mean, I, I'm sure the Leafs hope that John Klingberg is in the yes. one that they, they roll out on Wednesday. But And, and things are, are apparently Back progressing ice, yep. yeah, in a positive direction. He wants to play on Saturday. And there's reports that yeah, the Leafs are like, that's eh, a little soon. Maybe uh, not. Probably not uh, at your age. Like, let's just slide you in. <laughs> Uh, on Wednesday. but yeah like if you're if you're reading the tea leaves, if you're looking at the lineup yesterday, you're looking at the cap machinations, you're looking at how you clear some salary, maybe it is Sam Lafferty on the outside looking in, which is I mean this' is a guy that scored double digit goals in the National Hockey League, but I don't think necessarily a difference maker Fraser Minton is your second round pick from a couple of yep. years ago, nineteen years old like there's there's
1: upside there, there's a ton of upside, and you know not that this matters a ton, but he's not a just a second round pick. Like, this is basically a first round pick, not to do the whole thing, but he was the 39th pick or whatever no. it was. Like, it was pretty. <laughs> well, so what? But, but then no, no. so all an early second that's round That's all pick. I'm trying to say. I'm oh. trying to say that he oh. grabbed this guy at 60th. There is some pedigree. Okay. He was, what, five spots removed from being a first round select? All I'm trying to say is there is real pedigree there. It's it's the point I tried to make six. a lot. Six, six picks away from Six being... picks away. It's the point I like to make about <laughs> Joe Wall. People talk about him because he's not a first rounder. Like, he came from some. Backwater. He's the third round pick. Those guys are supposed to have a chance to play. So with Minton, uh, If there's a world where the Leafs get anything other than out of the Peter Morazic trade, other than just Peter Morazic not being here, it's a win. So the fact that this guy is maybe forcing their hand. And the other part of it as well is that center, as much as we love what the Leafs have when Tavares is at his best and we know what Matthew is, it is still a bit of a question mark because as much as we all love David Kampf, unless you're going to make that third line a hard-matching checking line, yeah. then you don't want David Camp as your 3C. You want somebody who can do a little something more and I think obviously with the upside Minton has, there's a belief that could be the case. The other important thing to state with Minton is that this isn't a Nick Robertson situation where there's one spot where you could see him fitting in of second line, right wing, and that Frazier Minton... I'm I'm not saying this can happen, but he could possibly move up the lineup eventually as a guy who is a bigger frame and can move and just is, can be a cog in a lineup. He can play center for you. He can go be on a checking line for you. He can do a lot of roles. Now, he's 19. Maybe he can't do any of these things yet, but if he can stick, there's a lot of different ways you can see it happening. So...
0: If we're using the preseason as a true evaluation period, if if we're we're going into yesterday's game and and the first true test for Fraser Minton as far as hey, keep our eyes open here, continue to impress, you can make this hockey team, and I'm sure for him he, he maybe the belief that he could make this team started before this, and obviously getting getting the call up to go to Gravenhurst when you totally. know like the Easton Cowans of the world aren't going up there, but yeah, and it's just must be fun. It, 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 yeah, there's some fun golf there. Uh, uh, and, you know, the the fans of Gravenhurst got, got to see their team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. If we're using this as a true sample, and he's got another kick of the can on mm-hmm. Saturday, so I guess there's still time to fritter it away. But if we're using the 60-minute sample of yesterday as, hey, are you going to make this hockey team? I mean, Fraser Minton's on the team. Like, Fraser Minton's the third-line center. Like, I don't know what's... Going to happen on Saturday, where like I guess he's going to play in it, and and I don't think the rest of the no. Leafs lineup is going to be very representative. It's going to be a more representative Red Wings lineup, which wasn't the case mm-hmm. yesterday, which is weird. You go to overtime again. Preseason games are always a mishmash of yeah. of rosters, but if if we're evaluating the preseason, which mm-hmm. I didn't think we necessarily were. Um, Fraser Minton's going to be on this Leafs roster on Wednesday. I don't see how there can be a a discussion about it. He popped every time he was on the ice, including the first shift of the the hockey game, him and Matthew Nyes.
1: Yeah, it's very notable. The fact that he has chemistry with another one of your... Now, obviously, Nyes is much more a set-in-stone part of this team, but the fact that he has chemistry with another young player, that really, really helps him. I think the thing that'll be interesting to watch from Minton on Saturday... Is it's not a test of what he can do, but I think it'll be a bit of a maturity test for him. Because you just pointed out what that lineup is probably gonna look like. I don't know, maybe Sam Lafferty gets back in. But yeah. other than that, it's probably gonna be a lot of the guys who are on the outside looking into this team. Naturally, that's gonna potentially, if they want to do it this way, bump Minton up the lineup. Can he can I bet you the biggest question that Sheldon Keefe has for him is can he continue to just do that? Can he not revert back to and not that Minton with some crazy point guy in junior, but can he not revert back to junior Minton when all of a sudden he's on the first line or he's in a top six role and he's mm-hmm. getting power play time. It's entirely possible all those things are going to happen tomorrow night. So, you know, I go back to and very different players. One guy's a basically a first round pick. The other guy's Pontus Holmberg, but <laughs> Keith said Pontus Holmberg was perfect and he never made a mistake and then it dropped off a cliff overnight and we never saw him again. Now, part of that, I do question why we could have seen him maybe sometime again, but mm-hmm. part of it is that with young players, It's hard to keep that level of perfection, that level of locked in. I think that is the test that they'll want to have checked for Minton. It has nothing to do with can he do everything that he did uh, yesterday or last night. It's about can he show that maturity to just continue to play his game and not try to be a different version of himself when the lineup looks a little different.
0: I'll tell you what, a third line centered by Fraser Minton with Matthew Nye's on his wing is a whole lot more exciting than whatever David Camp in that role is going to give you. Like that's that's a line that you're
1: like, ooh, your eyes get wide when they step onto the ice. Yeah, we we should also, and I can't believe I'm the one doing this because I'm normally Mister Pom Poms oh, wow. and nothing can go wrong. Are you but tamper, I'm not going to tamper it. It's just that a young line like that is going to have a night where they are each two goals, two assists and they're running wild and you're like, "Oh, look at these young bulls for the Leafs. They're never going to stop." And they're going to have nights where it looks like the controller just disconnects in the defensive zone and it's going to they're the rookie mistakes the putting yeah. those two guys together for a team that is in win now mode. And again, I can't believe yeah. I'm the one doing this. You can run it out in you can run it out in October and November and it does not matter. That it, for and I, I hate that I'm the one doing this wow. right now. But if this is Win now, Stanley Cup, go on a run. Are we really doing guy who nobody thought was going to make the team out of camp is your
0: 3C? You know who else is going to have trouble in their own zone? I can envision a scenario in which that second line with John DeVars, William Nylander, and Max Domi are having some defensive issues.
1: Yeah, I don't... I I am not in the... By no means do I think William Nylander is a perfect hockey player, but I am not in the camp that he is this defensive demon in the bad way for his team. I think that he took so many strides last season and we talked about them <laughs> winning his battles. He's not blowing the zone. The one time he blew the zone last night was in three on three overtime. And guess what? In the preseason, especially I'm definitely okay with that. Yeah, he, It is a much more responsible player, but having said all that, he probably shouldn't be not just the best, but far and away the best defensive player on his line and the guy, not that Tavares isn't responsible, but just the foot speed thing we right. talk about all the time. Domi, that is the knock on him is 100%. that he can't do that. Putting those three guys together, it almost feels like, and again, we talk about matchups and the way you build your team. Does that not feel like a 70% offensive zone start line? Yes. They just only get it, and then you have Matthews and well, Minton that's it. and it's Camp like, on what, the other parts wh- of the ice?
0: What 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 are you doing if, like, yeah. Two
1: thirds of your top nine have to be protected in the <laughs> offensive zone. That's, that seems like an oh, issue. And, Brian. Then, and then that means that Austin Matthews doesn't get offensive right. zone starts and may, and not that honestly, huh. he doesn't need them. He yeah. really doesn't, but sure. maybe you'd want to make it his life just a touch easier on him once in a while. Yeah. Uh, and Matthews does score in the preseason, which is,
0: I mean, it's awesome. Matthews. I don't, I don't think he needs a confidence boost nope. going into the regular season, but, but he did score. So it's, so it's a good for him. Um, Makes me happy too. One last thing, and we'll circle back around to Leafs. Lots of Leafs. Don't worry. We'll talk to, to Gord Stellick as well. Before. That's, that's to you all out there, but also to me. To, to you, yes. yeah. I actually looked directly at you, you did, when I like, said, "Don't that. worry. Just take it easy." Uh, Ilya Samsonov didn't look spectacular in that game in the power play call, okay. and that's like, okay, I'm gonna give you a chance here. After the game, Sheldon Keefe said there's some things that they want to tighten up with Ilya Samsonov. Again, this is a guy that played a career-high 40 games yeah. last year, had a career-high and save percentage. He's You want to talk about pedigree? He's got the draft mm-hmm. pedigree as well. An actual first-rounder. Yeah, it, it all worked out perfectly. Thank goodness it did because Matt Murray was an abomination. Well, he mm-hmm. wasn't. When he played, he was
1: okay. Hey, he took the dive that we needed him all right. to.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, he's been a good soldier. <laughs> and, and yeah. Joseph Wall, uh, he worked out, so so that's uh, all good, and there is a backup plan. But I gotta say, for a guy that had the season that he that he had has the pedigree that he has, I, I it's a top five concern for me the goaltending position on this Leafs team. Um,
1: can we weld his stick to his hand? I understand yeah, what that. Yeah, what's going on there? Just this is the problem with Samsonov, and he is maybe he's a much more stark version of it. But you see this with goalies who are good but are not, pick your guy, Sorokin, Buck, Vasilevsky, whatever, is that when they're not locked in and we've seen the great, not good, we have seen the great Samsonov games where the building's yelling Sammy and everything's going great and he's holding the team in it. But when it's not, this is what it looks like, where it's just a little disconcerted and I am not going to sit here and say I have 1000% confidence in the goaltending the Leafs are going to get this year. I just think that much like uh, much like a lot of teams in the NHL that do not have uh, whatever your number is, five, six, seven, whatever the relatively small group of number one guys you can count on. Mm. You just have to hope that both of those guys are able to trade off being in form or on a heater at any given point in time. And I don't feel awesome about that, but just given every other hole no. this team had to fill. Like, would you have rather not had Max Domi? Would you rather not no, have no, John
0: no. Klingberg? No, it's fine. It's, it's
1: fine. And, y- yeah,
0: and the idea that Martin Jones is some great security blanket um, because he has NHL experience. Like, he's had a same percentage under 900, I think, for yeah. three consecutive years.
1: I mean, he could stand up. Yeah. That's what we know. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Uh, again, we'll swing back around to Leafs uh, before the hour is over. We'll talk to Gord Stelic in a second. But uh, Blue Jays still coming to grips with the, the season being over. Uh, Shai Davidi with a great story on sportsnet.ca doing like it. it, He formatted it nicely It's a nice little gimmick Mm. with the frequently asked questions that he's getting from people around Major League Baseball right now. Um, Talking about the, the manager and John Schneider and his relationship between the analytics department of the Toronto Blue Jays, the players and now the fans. Here's a here's a pull quote from it. The problem here is that Schneider and the rest of his coaching staff has to answer to the players, and he gets caught between the organizational decision-making and his clubhouse, impacting his credibility within the group. In part, that's what I think happened with Charlie Montoya, players feeling disconnected from him, and him seemingly withdrawing because he couldn't square what he was executing nightly and uh, with what he was actually wanting to do. So that's interesting. Because I I certainly did have an understanding that Charlie Montoyo departed this team because of the relationship between he and the players. And and yeah, they they, they couldn't get a straight answer out of him and and didn't feel like his leadership was helping the team get to to where they wanted to go. But the idea that he was told to execute an analytics game plan that he didn't believe in, that he couldn't explain to his players. And so instead of trying to explain it, he's just like, "Um, yeah, here's the game plan. Goodbye. Locks the door. <laughs> Don't talk to anybody. Boom, 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 bang on the Go Time. <laughs> That's concerning. And the idea that also now John Schneider is becoming disillusioned with the game plan. Mm, my words, and not necessarily Shai's reporting yeah. or out of that quote, but like certainly the post-game. Face, yeah, yeah. The post-game comments from him after game two in Minneapolis would would lead credence to that theory. As, that's a problem. If you got a manager who you you hired and gave a, a multi year deal to because you think that one he's going to be a good soldier, but beyond that, he believes in the in the process that you've undertaken and the theories behind the decisions that you're going to make analytically, and then he starts to waver from that, and he's like, I, I I'm on board with a lot of this, but. Now, now you guys are coming up with some stuff that I don't necessarily agree with, and I can't explain it to my players. That seems like a problem area. Uh,
1: big time. Lastly, on Montoya, it really does make a lot of sense that he played the bongos to just uh, quiet the banging on yeah, his like, door. Is that- Please explain <laughs> this to a second. I don't know. Big just bomb. banging the bongos in here all day. Oh, are you guys knocking on the door? You know I play the bongos. There's no way I could have possibly heard you. With Schneider, it, honestly, it feels like, it, with Schneider, it feels like they probably had the conversation. We've all talked about what were the expectations of him as a manager heading into gr- him getting hired for this role, and it was, are you going to be a good soldier? And Yeah, of course. Like, you guys have a plan. I understand the way baseball is going, more anically, or analytically inclined. You want to have some input. Yeah, that's all well and good, but that was a bridge too far. I don't know how anybody explains it, and that is why, honestly, the way I go is – Maybe the manager just needs to be whoever it is who's actually yeah. making these calls cuz what do we what have we always heard about analytics it's you know the the thing you hear about when these when these people have been hired in front offices is that it's great that they have the information but the truly valuable ones are the person who used to play that sport who has a background in it whatever who can actually explain it in Layman terms to whoever it is. And I just think that is the problem, is that it goes back to everything we talked about yesterday. The people who are making these decisions, and not to say John Schneider, I mean, he wasn't involved in the Burrios thing, we all know that, but not that he's completely disavolved from this, but the people who are making those decisions are just so far disconnected from the team. And I don't mean the team as a whole, but the players, the players who actually have to go out there and execute it. And that, I just don't understand how anybody can square that.
0: Well, but you know why those people are not the manager is because they, the players wouldn't respect them, right? Because Mm -hmm. of, of the, the lack of time in professional baseball or, you know, the, the lack of understanding of a, a clubhouse dynamic. That's why the manager is supposed to be a guy that's, that's able to communicate on the same level as the players, which John Schneider, I think, is is capable of doing and has a, a long history in the minor leagues with some of the most significant Blue Jays players. The problem starts arising when he gets disillusioned from the plan. And, and, you know, we talked yesterday about, hey, what does it look like? What does the decision-making process look like? And is there back and forth? Is there pushback from John Schneider? And and maybe there is, maybe there isn't. But it does feel like, well, I mean, proof is in the pudding on on the uh, two days ago mm-hmm. in game two against the Twins that if John Schneider pushed back, he wasn't heard, right? Like, he didn't win that argument. And maybe this is a sign, like, If you're going to have a manager in place to execute your game plan and he wants to have any shred of credibility within that clubhouse, you do kind of have to give him a little more say in these conversations pregame. If he says, or maybe this is a learning moment for John Schneider as well, that, hey, if I'm as steadfast in my belief that this is garbage, I need to not go rogue in the moment because mm-hmm. that's not going to work out. Right. I'm, I'm, that's going to be a tough conversation with my bosses after the right. game. But in these pregame meetings, when we're talking about potential scenarios that play out throughout the course of the game, I need to say, you know what? I, I, I really do need some more autonomy here. Like I, I, I need the ability. I'm going to lose these guys if I'm not, if I'm not able to do at least some of the things mm-hmm. that I think
1: are counter to the numbers, I don't know how you can operate otherwise. Well, you know, I'm, I am a big believer in life that all things change on pendulum swings and it has to swing big time one way, the one way and one way, the other. And then eventually it kind of settles in the middle where things should be. And I think that we are just, this is a, this is a big kind of tipping point moment, kind of back towards the middle that has swung so much to one side where look, just do what the numbers say and don't question it at all. And not that that was why this decision was made. But clearly there was a plan and it was not to be wavered from at all. You do need to have some autonomy. I just don't know. I think the only way that happens, we see it all the time, copycat leagues. It, it feels like until some team wins yeah. with a Dusty Hybrid. like Well, no, like I mean, they Dusty just won Baker. He's yeah, right, 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 right. 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 the old schoolest <laughs> manager ever. It, but it honestly does feel like until and this obviously was never going to happen. It's way too strong an example, but unless John Schneider did go rogue and kept them in the game and they won and they win the series. And then it's like, he is a folk hero. And then you need that real flash in the pan moment because we see the way owners across baseball and front offices across baseball operate people are so afraid to be out in front of the line, and now everyone is in line to a certain extent in this way. I mean, we've talked about There are so few guys. I forget who it was we were talking with, but they mentioned Cora as a guy who has the autonomy in this way. There are such few, and I don't even know that he does, and they were contemplating making him the GM, so of course he had yeah. some autonomy there. Very, very particular circumstance.
0: Where in life is it beneficial to have black and white thinking? Like, it's, it's, it's to me that's Warriors. never a... that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only good one. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah. The black and white cookie. Seinfeld guy, I know. Yeah, it's true. You're right. That's it though. Just food. And maybe there's something I'm not thinking about. But like generally that's that's oh, a flawed... thing.
1: Things can be right and wrong also. People are going to be like what about good and evil? Uh, well, yeah, like uh, <laughs> like Frank Saravelli is going to be like what about
0: atrocity acts? You think that's good? <laughs> yeah. Decision making. Yes. Where is it go. like where is it a good idea to have black and white decision making where it's like you've you've got a preconceived notion and you do not waver. You do not take in the information that is readily available to you that you st- like I, I I can. I guess mm-hmm. I can see the benefit to that, that no, you're, here's, here's- you're not impacted by outside forces. But I would say generally it's a better idea to find some middle ground or be open to the idea that you're not 100 percent correct. 100% of the time. Doesn't it just make sense to to allow a guy, maybe not like 50-50, it's not like eye test 50% right. and then analytics 50%, but like in the 1% that Jose Barrios looked mm-hmm. as good as he did, allow the man an opportunity to make his own decision.
1: Yeah, you you have to have some wiggle room there. I just, I really, I continue to wonder how it can ever happen because you just see maybe this is enough of a flash in the pan moment, but I just, I really don't know. Honestly, the one other thing I've thought about, and I, again, this is not going to happen because it's just no way to go about business with bosses and all that thing. But we've seen teams that have effectively turned on coaches before mm-hmm. and Hey, we're all together. Cause we hate this guy. Yeah. What about that? of Schneider just going in there and saying, yeah, this play- honestly this plan's terrible. We all know it's terrible. We don't like it. And guess what? You're going to keep going in baseball games and show these guys that no matter what that they- like, like I'm not saying that Get that would work. I'm sure there would have been a fronts. little bit rolling of the eyes there. Yeah. But honestly, yeah. if you're, if you're just, if you're not a believer in it, don't go out there and half foot like, yeah, okay, we're going to do this. Tell them that you don't like the plan, honestly. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't change anything because guess what? Jose Barrios comes out of the game and they don't hit a lick and Vlad gets picked off second and yada, yada, yada. But I don't know.
0: We talk about Sheldon Keefe being un- unencumbered by uh, the guy that he spent his entire career mm-hmm. with yeah. in-, in Kyle Dubis. I wonder if next season we're going to see a very different John Schneider. Not that you know he feels more emboldened because he had a good regular season, made the playoffs, got through a, a whole year of being a Major League Baseball Manager, but because he knows that now he's in the line of fire, right? Yeah. Like he is one hundred. I I don't think there's a chance. I mean, there is a chance, but I think it's a very slim chance that he is he's thrown overboard this offseason. I, I mean, they just fired a manager. A season ago, in the middle of the season, he's only had one full season yeah, never, as manager of the Toronto the, Blue Jays. The way that would make them look
1: across the yeah, league.
0: embarrassing. Yeah. I guess you could, the, the one way I could see it happening is if Ross Atkins is thrown overboard. And, and you
1: want to give the new GM their manager, right?
0: Or you think that that's a great moment to, to that allows you to do it and save face because, mm. you, yeah, that's the messaging. Hey, James Click is our new GM, right. and we got to let him choose his own <laughs> manager. So sorry, John Schneider. I I think he's coming back I next season. But well, that being said, at the end of next season, yeah. if, if we have a similar result, I, I think even more stuff is on the table, which means if you're John Schneider and you're staring down the barrel of maybe your major league managerial <laughs> career coming to an end, it's all nice and good to to just listen to your bosses because yep. they were the ones put you in this opportunity to get your first gig next year, mm-hmm. though, that gig could be taken away from you. And you will be more emboldened to do things that you think are, in the correct mold of, of winning baseball
1: games. Oh, we've seen that a million times in, in all different sports and honestly just life in general of, okay, I'll be a good soldier. Oh, I, I, it's it's going to work or I'm out. Well, I might as well do it my way then. Right. The other thing I, I wanted to get back to the idea of black and white thinking, the only time, the only time it is a good idea to mm-hmm. put in hard and fast black and white thinking or decision rules with thinking is if you do not trust the person to make a decision. Right. That's the only time. If I... If I like, if I'm talking to my three-year-old, well, that's, I, uh, think of like, children, yeah. I don't trust you to make this decision. So if A happens, you do A. If yeah. B happens, you do B, mm-hmm. and that's that. There don't. I don't want to hear. I thought that. Mm-hmm. No, you don't, don't want, think. You don't, leave the thinking to me. There's no thinking going on in there. <laughs> and but that's very indicative of exactly the conversation yeah. we've been having of what that role is across baseball.
0: Eat your vegetables unless you think like you, do, you oh, don't. You know not need, need better? You, you got your. Your, your vitamins is somewhere
1: else. Oh, I, I mean, I'm sure you do this move, too, of just like, don't you want to be big and strong? Oh, Big yeah. muscle vegetables. Oh, That's yeah. That's why your dad is feeble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God knows
0: vegetables. Uh, yeah, they make you strong. They made Popeye very strong. Well spinach, done, baby. Yeah. Uh, 50s cartoons trying to, you know, pump up big spinach. Bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. We need another cartoon. Hey, well,
1: it'd be, let's be honest. We all know it'd be kale now. Ew. Yeah. Yuck. But it would be. Yeah. All right.
0: Uh, when we come back from th- kale
1: to Gordo, yeah. just as
0: God intended. A guy that loves him some kale. <laughs> Gord <laughs> Uh Maple Leafs with one more preseason game against the Red Wings tomorrow before it starts for real on Wednesday. And no
1: one's more excited for the last preseason game yeah. than Gord. It's actually it's the pinnacle of his life, the last preseason game. All right, well, That's we'll, sarcasm. We'll talk to the, the former Maple Leafs general manager of
0: Sportsnet Leafs Analyst next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annist, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.
1: Breaking down the biggest stories in Toronto sports. The Fan
0: Morning Show with Alish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple,
1: Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: It's a somber morning because there's only one preseason game. I mean, you you can have your regular season. <laughs> For me, it's preseason is is where I like to live. Uh, eight? I give me eighty preseason games yeah, and only eight regular season. We got eighty
1: two coming up because it's all just a dress <laughs> Yeah, You're herself. right.
0: You're right. It's it really should be called pre preseason. Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's talk to Gord Stalik, Sportsnet Leafs analyst. How's it going, Gordo?
2: Uh, ben, Brent, it's uh, it's going great. Like you, uh, really disappointed. Disappointed there's no blue-white intra-squad game today as well. But, you know, we're we're going to soldier through, right?
1: We'll, we'll manage, I guess, maybe. Whatever, Gord, whatever. I feel like I've asked you this before. But whatever happened to the old skills competitions? You just mentioned the blue-white intra-squad right. game. And I just remember Freddie Modine. I know he was here for not a long time, but in my mind, he won hardest shot for a decade straight at that skills competition. Why don't we do that anymore? I feel like other teams do it. I I think they should bring it back.
2: You you know, uh, so I can't answer specifically why the Leafs don't do it now. I do know... That, I mean, way back when Trevor Kidd got injured once in the Florida Panthers goal, whatever. But, I mean, you know, that's not an unreasonable risk that you take. I do know they kind of sometimes would turn it into a farce like they tied won the fastest skater. Right. They just kind of <laughs> what you know, they, they kind of had a joke within themselves. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, I they always say practice time is so valuable. And then all now you're getting our days off all the time. So I think as far as they, the initiatives go, that wouldn't be a bad thing to mm-hmm. bring back.
0: Yeah, for the fans. That's what the preseason's for, and, yeah. and a, a packed house yesterday for a very representative Toronto Maple Leafs team. Maybe the one that we'll see on Wednesday, which means maybe Fraser Minton will be on this National Hockey League club and not back in Kamloops. What What have you seen from him, and and what do you what do you think the possibility is of a Fraser Minton making this Leafs team?
2: So, uh, so it's funny with your exhibition preseason, whatever you want to call it. I mean, they're really aren't a lot of negatives for the Maple Leafs by and large. I mean, the upside, Ben, is that whether it's, you know, Matthew Nyes, Nick Robertson, um, you know, Easton Cowan showing up, showing how he did, making it a positive experience for him, and and same with Fraser Minton, maybe – Maybe you kick him or you know stick around for a game or two or three, maybe. But I just think you know you're going with the guys that um, you 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 want to develop all the other players, give them a chance to play lots. So I can't, I say doubtful, but maybe they keep him around for a couple of games. I just still think the biggest thing is you see, you know, we've seen William Nylander play center, we've seen him play the wing. And last night we saw him play Rover, right? You know, he just did a little bit of everything. So that's kind of the one big intrigue among the nucleus that they have, what do you say, experimented with. It looks like they're going to go with it in a, in a, in a bigger way during the regular season. But really, all the younger players have played well. That's good. It's, it's a good environment for them because it's exhibition. So at least they're going away with positive experiences. If he stays a couple of games, I look at that as delaying the inevitable.
1: Yeah, it does seem like a long shot that he that he sticks because I mean, as as it always feels super rosy in the moment and I know they're different players, but the guy I kept going back to from last year, Gord, was Pontus Holmberg. I mean, for 20 games there he felt like he was a mainstay and he's never going to come out of the lineup Sheldon Keefe was calling him perfect and then he uh, you know I know part of it was injuries part of its waivers all that stuff but he just never saw the light of day towards the end of the season so I, I'm with you there I think the reason there they do want to give it such a look though is because that's probably their best chance to get William Nylander back to the wing otherwise you have David Camp in your 3C role and I just wonder if if they're, they're trying to keep Minton there because it does allow them to maybe bump camp down to that fourth line do you think that's why maybe they're
2: taking such a hard look at it uh that'd be part of it you know to, to your point Brent, about flexibility yeah you know so initially it gives you more flexibility to figure out you know sort things out a little bit more uh in the early game so you know i can see that and also we've talked before about how it probably is um, helps nick robertson's chances to be on say one of the top two lines if william nylander is playing center as well
0: yeah, um, and, and that experiment not lasting all that long. Um, do, do you think like this is an indication? Like part of it is Fraser Minton has played well, and they, they wouldn't be putting him in these positions, and we wouldn't be having these conversations if, if he didn't take the opportunity and ran, and ran with it. Like given their druthers, though, I mean, given what they've seen, given, given what they think they can extract and what they have extracted out of William Neelander as a winger, is that like the ideal spot for him in your mind?
2: Well, I, I right now, yes, because, uh, you know, the regular season, I kind of like the power two lines and, you know, uh, in that regard, I, I, I like it. I like the way that they got, they've got a lot of star power. They've got a lot of offense. They've got a lot of talent. They've got a lot of skill, and you put it all together. But I also think that you're looking at when the playoffs, and it's a different style of hockey, and you're able to go three deep now rather than two deep. Maybe you can say unparalleled three deep, particularly now, Boston is not the arch rival anymore as much, but they've lost two centers in the off season. And of course we saw what depth at center, you know, did for them for so many years. So I, I, I I think that's what they're looking in mind now, because as you guys talked about before, you know, for teams like the Leafs, this is the pre -pre preseason and the regular season. It's not quite the preseason, but we get what we're talking about, right? It's the, the playoffs that's going to, uh, that's going to determine what kind of season that they had and, you know, get yourself more practice, more experience, more different options, to do because you know really every time the playoff has, has ended it's been disappointing even though they won a round last year just the way they went out in the second round was disappointing and maybe if there's some more options or some more things you can try that won't be the case yeah, boy, was it disappointing! And it didn't. When John Tavares scored the overtime
1: winner, I didn't think it was possible for the Leafs season to disappoint me after that. And boy, they uh, they they found a way. They they sure sure did there. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the ads this team made, effectively swapping out Michael Bunting for Tyler Bertuzzi. Uh, he filled the role great last night. He drew a couple penalties. Uh, he better not do too much more of that though, or the league will start catching on to him, and then they'll never get another call. But I, I love the way he he's fit in with Matthews and Marner there. Obviously, uh, you know, a little more bite. I don't know if just the hair makes it feel that way, or the fact that he's missing some teeth. But what have you made of him and Domi and the way they've slotted in on the left side, Gord?
2: Yeah, you know, like Brett. The, I mean, again, exhibition. It's kind of it, it's kind of like a participation ribbon at field day, right? You know, everybody gets something going <laughs> home, even if they came dead last in the uh, whatever whatever race could be the shuttle run. I don't know, whatever you have. And and uh, I, so uh, the key is about these guys fitting in in the regular season. You don't want. Uh, a Nick Ritchie start or a Tyson Berry start, you know, in a situation. I mean, those happen, and someone just never gets going, and that's happened David with other Clarkson. In- yeah, well, Chiefs David Clarkson. Yeah, that's a, so. You know, it's happened on other NHL teams as well. So, you know, the so exhibition gives you a little bit to just mm-hmm. kind of get in the flow, and I think in in all cases, I know Klingberg had a bit of an injury woe earlier on. Yeah, of course with Connor Timmins out now, you know, that's a one one piece of depth that's gone on the deep d but I, uh, I, I've liked the additions. And again, I, I really call it inconclusive because it's exhibition, but so far so good.
0: Yeah, not so far so good for Simon Benoit and maybe his audition. Uh, taking three penalties yesterday and, and won't be in the lineup if John Klingberg is able to go on Wednesday. Does that give you any pause? The fact that he's, I mean, I, I guess the report is he wants to play tomorrow in the final preseason game. This is his new team, and there was... You know, some hope of maybe experimenting him with, the, with some deep pairings um, and, and they're not going to get a chance to do that. Does it give you any pause that he will not play another preseason game or is unlikely to before stepping into the lineup uh, in the regular season for the first time with his new team on Wednesday?
2: yeah I'm okay Ben like I mean you know I mean it's kind of like Josh Norris in Ottawa right you just want to get the guy healthy and you know ready whenever I mean if he starts in game number two there's 81 to play let's face it even if he plays the last exhibition game you really haven't figured out your defense pairs uh I know in Vancouver Rick Tockett's calling it D by committee trying to figure <laughs> out you know who's going to play with Quinn Hughes and you know here in Toronto I mean last year at the end of it I mean Luke Shen I thought Luke Shen was coming as a number seven D or maybe 60 and he paired so well with Morgan Riley so I mean I mean that's still stuff to work out can they figure out the best pairings going and obviously you know Klingberg not being around so much in the exhibition season you haven't got got a chance to attack it and I don't think one game will make all the difference it's more important that he's healthy. Yeah, Luke Shen went from seventh D to, and this is not a knock on John
1: Tavares, but he's the captain of the team. By the time he was gone, <laughs> like he's just refing things between the bench. He's he's a cooler out there. It was so good to see him with Morgan Riley, and you know it's it's amazing how many times we've seen the best version of Morgan Riley alongside a defenseman that looks like that. I don't know that there's that guy on this roster right now. We've had this conversation so much, Gord. You and I talked about it ad nauseum last year about Riley's regular season. I mean, part of it was just the weird nature of not scoring until I think January. I don't think you'd expect to see that again from him. But what are your expectations for Morgan Riley? I mean, we know it's all about the regular season or sorry about the playoffs, but I think he would like to have maybe a little stronger regular season than last year.
2: Well, it's great he can talk to his dad while he's riding the subway, right? With that new, <laughs> the new cell phone service. I've actually liked his commercials by and large. I, I think, uh, I, uh, I, he took
1: a he took a haircut from the leaf, so he's got to make sure to get his money everywhere else. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I
2: don't, you know, I don't use the word haircut. I know but you don't. I, don't, I know I what I you're it. talking about. He's actually got a. He was talking about it at the uh, anyway. Got a nice world going on. Really has embraced and loved living in in Toronto, to say the least. Uh, so I, I, I just. Okay, the stud D is what you're... You love to have, and Morgan Riley's not quite the stud. D. I mean, look at Buffalo, man. If they if they get you know uh, Dolan and Owen Power as twin towers, wow. Pretty good. I'm just looking down the load, you know, down the road in the Atlantic Division. So uh, I just you want to see more consistency of him during the regular season. Obviously, you want it. But the good part was he brought it in the playoffs because that's always quite often been the knock on the elite players is you know get your regular season skill set or, or the effectiveness in the playoffs. So he certainly did it. So how he played in last year's playoffs, uh, I I hope hope To see uh, as much of it in the regular season and hopefully a repeat in the playoffs. And I, you know, I still think uh, you know, he's, uh, you talk about leaders and I think they've got a good leadership group. Uh, I think he's their leader though. I really think he's their leader and, and he's a good leader.
0: Yeah, he is. Um, speaking of bringing it in the playoffs, Ilya Samsonov brought it in the regular season, but he brought it in the postseason against the Tampa Bay Lightning as the Leafs actually got outplayed uh, over the six game sample. And if not for him, mm, are headed home in the first round again. Uh, he gets hurt in, in the second round but uh, has career high numbers across the board w- was everything. The Leafs could have hoped he would be in, a, in acquiring him uh, off of uh, uh, from the Washington capitals where he started his career, but didn't look so great yesterday. Sheldon Keith talked about him needing to tighten some things up. Uh, this is a guy that has like kind of a checkered uh, national hockey league career. It's why, you know, former first round pick, you're able to, to get him for next to nothing. Um, Where are you on the confidence you have in the Toronto Maple Leafs goal with him and Joe Wall?
2: Okay, Ben, one thing about the regular season starting, so this probably is the last time um, because I, I remind people that, you know, my time working with the Leafs, I saw some phenomenal exhibition series, the team and the individuals. And look at me now, I'm on radio at 6.30 in the morning, okay? So, I mean, obviously, if things worked out, I'd still, you know, be like Lou Lamorello. So, anyway, I just, I I learned to put things in perspective and context. So, I'll go back to the start of what you said, that last year was body of work. And, yeah, and in the playoffs, he got the job done, which, you know, unfortunately, Freddie Anderson never could. He could do it in the regular season, not so much. You know, Jack Campbell, a little bit different. He kind of battled hard that one year. And I really was was impressed Joe Wall coming in. That, that's all they had because, you know, Matt Murray, I guess they said he was ready, but he probably wouldn't have been. Mm. But I, I I thought it was a real positive, the way Joe Wall played as well. And, you know, we're in the era, Hendrick Lundfist, Carey Price, Pekka Rene, a lot of elite goaltenders have retired and more and more it's not been the stud goaltender it's been a little bit more by I don't call a committee but you know more of a tandem a little bit more depth and I'm I'm very satisfied and feel good about the Maple Leafs goaltending situation. Yeah, I think you
1: know obviously we would all put your hand up love to have a Helibuck Sorokin, Shustekin whoever's in that club for you but there's there's like you said a pretty pretty small number of those guys and this is what it looks like elsewhere across the league and the fact that you've had a guy who dis, who's done it uh, last year in in Samsonov, and then Wall, who's proved a little bit, but still has some left to prove. Um, you know, Gord, Austin Matthews, he's had some odd regular seasons. Just, to, I mean, the one last year, we were sitting there wondering the whole year, is he hurt? Is this the best version of himself? And then he still finishes with with 40 goals. There's been a, to- a lot of talk about just the kind of calm around him at camp this year. He's got the contract. I know there was so much noise around that. Who knows how much that bothered him? I imagine more than maybe he he let on. What do you him from Matthews this year? Because I'm not calling my shots saying, He's going to get back to sixty goals, but I, I'd be, uh, I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised if he finished with more than the forty he had last year.
2: So, uh, and I mentioned that. The leadership group, I think these guys have really evolved and emerged. It always kind of puzzled me that, you know, you brought in like Nick Foligno or you, you brought in Giordano, who's still there. You brought in Wayne Simmons. You you know, you know brought in uh, Joe Thornton. You brought in Patrick Marleau. Like, you know, what what is was there a void or was there a problem about leadership? And I, I, I don't know if there was, but certainly nowadays, I think Austin Matthews is a big part of that leadership group. I don't care about numbers. I want them. I want the debate to be in the spring. Which leaf should win the Conn Smythe Trophy as playoff MVP? That's what I want. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. what I want. So, That'd so um, you know whether he gets 50, that's great. 60, he's done that already. So, I mean, the novelty of it is is over. Yeah. But hey, if he goes kills it, that dynamite. I expect that. But the big thing at the end is not fighting for all star, you know, uh, all star awards or or trophies or whatever. Uh, the Conn Smythe Trophy battle and have a leaf or two involved in that.
0: That'd be good. That'd be something different. Let's, Good let's try. Let's...
1: I don't even care which one it is. Yeah. I'll be honest. I'd take any.
0: <laughs> Maybe it's Fraser Minton. Uh, Gord, uh,
2: appreciate it. Hey, guys. Happy Thanksgiving to you and uh, yeah. all the listeners. And uh, let's let's get the real thing going.
0: Yeah, let's. See you, Gordo. See you, guys. Uh, Gord Stellick, Sportsnet Leafs analyst. Yeah, it's Thanksgiving. We're off on Monday, by the way. Just mm. not generally the case. I, I got to say, like in all my years working at the radio station yes. here, despite the fact that it is a statutory holiday, mm-hmm. there's usually so much going on around this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Blue Jays are in the postseason. They really
1: thread the needle perfectly between the start of yeah. hockey season and the end of Blue Jays. Although, what? I do wonder, um, maybe I missed this if it's come out. Would you be shocked if Monday was a news conference day for... Ye olde Blue Jays? I would, because yeah, the they play the in
0: Canada. That would be
1: quite a, I don't know. a thing. They didn't to, care about Queen Victoria? Was, yeah. <laughs> yes, you're right. Um, uh, that, was, that is... You know, the trading four years of team control for 800 million or whatever that line was, that Mm -hmm. gets bandied about a lot. I've never laughed harder than the guys. He didn't even know who Queen Victoria was. Not the issue, (laughs) believe it or not. Not that the queen is not the issue. No, the fact that it was going to be a full house. Yeah, the like 50,000 people who aren't the queen was (laughs) the issue. (laughs) Right. Uh, for those, she wasn't going to be there.
0: Don't remember. Yeah. We're talking about Charlie Montoyo not playing, uh, then uh, rookie Vladimir Guerrero Jr. on Victoria Day in front of a full house I, in the afternoon. You know, it's
1: good you reset that because I have such a sick warped mind. I talk about that like it was a national emergency, and some yeah. people, you know, uh, move on with their lives after things happen. But you know, for me, it just rots yeah, no, in the I brain think it's forever. I
0: mean, it is indicative of what could be coming with the front office's first public comment since the two-game departure from the postseason and now an 0-6 over this front office's tenure Mm -hmm. in the postseason. Yeah, I keep saying it's the Bo and Vlad tenure. It's like the Mark Shapiro-Ross Atkins
1: tenure. The guys who built the team could wear some of it, too. Yeah, they're they're Uh, 0-6. So can... I just want to people out there in case they're they're misunderstanding uh they could wear it too Bo and vlad as well yeah yeah. yeah. how about everybody can wear it it's a big over oversized coat yeah they're popular these days everybody get in so it's like you know what it's like it's like that like uh tent thing you played with in like kindergarten and the ball rolls on everybody get under it's a parachute that's what it's called yeah Yeah. i mean that thing was amazing. It was so fun, and guess what? All the Blue Jays are under there right now because they're all wearing this zero and six.
0: Yeah, they are. And if we're if we're projecting forward as to, to what the public comments are going to be in regards to a decision that is overtaking <laughs> the baseball world, I mean, there's a
1: void of of no games until tomorrow. God, what would the Blue Jays have given for just one yeah. game last night? And Literally stuff. anything else in baseball to talk about.
0: Yeah. But it's, and we're going to talk to Jeff Francoeur and I'm going to ask him like how much of a conversation this is occurring as they prepare for the resumption of the postseason and the DS series tomorrow. And I guarantee you, he's going to be like,
1: Everybody, we're all talking about it. Well, and it's funny because, you know, it's not quite the same as Raptors, but there's a lot of like, hey, talk about us, give us our respect. And it's. Here you go. yeah. Not, Center of the baseball world, yeah. baby.
0: Not when it's like this. Not, not like, like this.
1: Not like this. <laughs> not like this. <laughs>
0: Anyways, just to finish the thought, if we're guessing as to what the messaging is going to be, I mean, you just have to go back to that 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 saga with Charlie Montoya and the Victoria Day thing. And yeah, him as a rookie manager, they, they didn't give him <laughs> any soft landing. They were like, no, that's him. Oh, Charlie's got to be better. He's got to know about that. Well, He he has to push back on us. (laughs) Right. I I think we might be hearing some more of the same when it comes to the front office's impact on the decision-making to remove Jose Barrios having one of his best outings as a Toronto Blue Jay in favor of a guy that had an ERA over five and an ERA approaching five, uh, an ERA of five in September and an ERA approaching five as a reliever and you say Kikuchi. We'll see when that press conference takes place. All right, when we come back, I mean, maybe we're back in you know, on Justin Fields. There's uh, there's no more winless teams in the NFL now after the, the Bears take it to the Commanders I yesterday. I like it when that goes a little longer. I yeah. like to go, oh, ha-ha,
1: full Nelson Muntz style.
0: Yeah. Um, there's some bad teams. But, yeah, the, the, the idea of, of, once again, being a winless team like, what, Lions of, of recent vintage yep. – uh, it's over. Shout out to Orlovsky. Yeah, um, as, as the Bears absolutely hammer hammer the commanders. Uh, we'll look ahead to the weekend of football action as week five underway. We'll talk to Charles Davis, NFL Network, and the NFL on CBS. Next, the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.